Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Kia and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod as the July international window heats up and probably a little bit of COVID does too in a number of the places around the world preventing a little bit of rugby. Joining me, Ross Carl, is James Parsons in the Auckland studio. Bryn Hall down in Queenstown, living it up. Well, that's that's an office. Earned. Earned, though. <laughs> he needs a break. He needs to get fresh and ready for harbour. So yeah. you just rest up, mate. You just get yourself ready. No, I'm excited to be. Great time down here, boys. Yeah. So, no, it's very uh, nice and cool. And obviously, um, a shout-out to Teresa as well for sorting me out at Millbrook. Great place down here. And so, yeah, Teresa, thank you very much for no. uh, the beautiful Come place. Come on, mate. First play. <laughs> First play. Come on, mate. 30 seconds in? You're better than that. <laughs> You're better than that. You, you should have yeah. just positioned something in the background rather than doing a verbal plug. You should, you know, yeah. something in the oh, background. Man, you could have done it. You should, have, you should have rung me. I could have taught you a few things. That's right. Should we put a, a Twitter <laughs> handle somewhere down here and a phone number in case you want your crack at going to Queenstown? Oh. <laughs> uh, I'd, just, I'd, I'd just be well more advanced than that. <laughs> Something to learn off you, Jip. I thought Something I taught to you, you better you. than that, yes. Bryn. I thought I taught you better. Just have to look at Jip to see the subtle messaging within the shot. Subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Who's supporting you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so onto the point at hand, I suppose, is we had a bit of rugby over the weekend. We had the New Zealand All Blacks 57, Fiji 23, but that scoreline <clears throat> does not indicate anything about that game. Well... It does, for me, because they, they put up a put up a great fight, and by that I, to be the All Blacks, it's it's a challenge, and that's why there's so many teams they play, and there's records where they haven't won, or you know there's only a few victories, and a couple of instances, I'll give you is why, they had the ability to run away with it towards the end, but also the ability of the opposition giving them an in. And I suppose, you know, it's our mate, our old mate, and I, I, I apologise for bringing him up, but Benny Volavola had a couple of opportunities from the back and he didn't have a lot of support around him and he, and he tried to counter-attack. And mm. outside of that in the first half, they played such a disciplined brand of footy on both attack and defence. And, you know, it was physical, disciplined, you know, a little bit of you know Northern Hemisphere style footy, and those two moments allowed the All Blacks two entries into the 22, and they got two tries out of it. Had that not happened, because their defence outside of the 22 was you know pretty resilient, 
had that not happened and hadn't they let those entries in, they could have been going into the break ahead, you know, realistically, mm. because they were so dominant at the breakdown physically. But then in the second half, the way the All Blacks upped the tempo, you, you, you would have noticed a lot more quick throw-ins. Um, you know, Sever Reese really came into his own and, and they also went back to the big men. Mm. And, you know, in that first half, they probably ran a little bit. Sometimes they ran from deep and, and got turned over at the, in those breakdown areas. But it was a mall-off almost in the second half. And, mm. and um, you know, the, the boys rolled their sleeves up and Colsey obviously was the benefactor. <laughs> but it's actually a lot harder than you think at the back there. To you know, you've got halfbacks like him trying to rip it off you. Yeah. Um, you know, and and he holds it and gets the try. But right, that's what I'm saying. Going all the way. Yeah, the no, no, absolutely not. It's it's a lot harder than you think. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, it was actually, I, I think it was a fair reflection of the game. Mm. And I know it was a hard test match, and I know it was phys- physical, but I felt like the All Blacks ran away with it, and and deservedly so with the way they changed their tactics and, and went about their business but also the way Fiji had the two instances in the first half but also the discipline the dominance they had at the breakdown the first half wasn't the same in the second half and a number of times the ref said you're not supporting your own body weight and you're not yeah. trying to lift the ball anymore and then they got penalised penalised eventually leading to a yellow card and it's those those are the opportunities you just can't give teams like the All Blacks at international level if you want to be close or have the ability to win. Mm. And those conversion mm. stats for the All Blacks on attack were pretty amazing when they got into the 22. Yeah, well, mm. nine tries. Yeah. It's, it's pretty I think, effective. Yeah, yeah I think um, yeah, probably in that second half we saw it a lot more. You look at Dane Coles and around um, scoring those four tries around going back to their set piece because I think... Probably in the, uh, the build-up of the game, Justin Marshall highlighted it. You know, if the, with the parity of offset piece and um, you know, probably the the All Blacks in that in the back end of that second half went to their lineout more. You know, they had 19 lineouts, 19 wins at 100%, and really took their legs out of them in that in that um, second half. And but in saying that, like it was 31-23 in the 60th minute, um, and Davy Harvey obviously gets sent off, and you know, the game was right on. But I think they went back to um, their lineout more and taking their taking their legs out that way through, obviously what you've talked about, the discipline around the breakdown. And yes, they did get a lot of steals, like Botia, their their captain, um, Dyer, and even their 13 as well, had um, some really good turnovers in the game. But um, I think probably the learning that Fiji can take going into the next game is, yep, they can obviously um, keep going at that breakdown and putting um, the All Blacks under pressure and try to get their turnovers and slow down their ball, which they did pretty well, but I think just the ability to be able to, instead of just latching on and trying to gain the penalty, if they have that lifting up motion like they did a lot of times and not giving the opportunities for the All Blacks to get into their half where they can start going to the line out more and, and be able to build pressure and score points that way, then um, then it's going to be a, another great game because I think the breakdown was massive. They, they won that breakdown battle. You know, um, Fozzie talked about it in that, in that uh, post-match around their breakdown and not winning races and um, Fiji beat them to the punch in that department. So, no doubt for the next game that we're going to see, we're probably going to see a lot more improvement in that with the, the speed of tempo and um, the violence and the, probably the breakdown of winning races and being and beating those jacklers of Fiji who beat them to the punch in the game. So, um, But overall, I thought it was a, it was a tremendous t- test match considering that probably going into that game um, after such a, a big performance scoreboard-wise against Tonga, um, you know, Fiji gave them a lot to think about and um, they're probably going to go into this week doing a lot of preview around a lot of um, 
a lot of the things they're going to have to change as well. Why didn't they win the race at the breakdown? What, what was lacking in the All Blacks there? Oh, there's a number of factors. Like, there's, there's ball carry, um, there's tackle styles. So if, if, you, if you don't win the collision first up in the carry, um, that, that's one part. And, and I think a lot of the time we saw that the actual tackler was throwing our ball carrier to the ground. And that gives you the ability to paint the picture to the ref you've released and it gives you the ability to just it's almost like a quick release yeah it's still a release and it was fair but it's that quick release and then they're already in that strong mm -hmm. position with good width of their feet and and they're on that ball straight away and, and you know because cl uh, the cleaners are looking for a tip or you know there's this structure it's you're not going to win that race so there's a little bit of an onus on the probably the ball carry and fozzy mentioned that in, in the same mm. after-match speech that he, he's like, yep, the cleaners have got to be faster and win those races, but you're not going to win a race when the tackler is the jackler, if that makes yes. sense, because a lot of the time, uh, you know, you'll go low and that's the tackler, he rolls out and then the jackler comes in and that's the race we're talking about. You were trying to win that race with that guy, but a lot of the instances, it was the tackler was the jackler and that's the race... It's not that you can't win it, but you know, because they were such physical presence. You know, mm. I was looking at after the game, a, a couple of the Fijian players were standing next to Shannon Frizzell and Sam Whitelock, and, and they were looked small. Like they, the Fijian Ford pack is huge. Yeah. They are mm. massive blokes. You know, like they, they are not little men. So you imagine trying to move them um, if they're in a good body position straight away and on that ball. Uh, you know, and they clearly came with a determined mindset. So I think that's more why they were struggling at the breakdown, and mm. and that's probably what they'll focus on more is that ball carry and making yeah. sure that we're winning that initial collision. And yeah. it might be as simple as, you know, not adjusting everything, but it could be a bit of latch work. You know, going four legs versus two, so that you get a bit of impetus through there, or mm. um, maybe looking to tip early. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing that I was um, impressed as well, Chip. Is the Fijian lineout um, options as well? You know the All Blacks pride themselves probably defensively around um, stunting people, um, lineout malls and even special plays. But you know they probably had I don't know if you saw, but the two tries that they did have the lineout drive, they actually changed the point of attack around going the back of the lineout like a shift drive, going to the back of the of the All Blacks um, mall. Do you think there was a plan that they would have saw? And probably obviously Jason Ryan uh, probably would have seen knowing a lot of those all black men and those players but did you see that obviously Fijian tried to stay away from that first shunt and then shearing off towards the back and trying to go through that way? Yeah oh, I think Jason Ryan um, has done his coaching credentials a massive uh, well, we already had a lot of respect for him but I think you know he's probably always had great cattle and not saying the Fijian players aren't of the Crusader cattle but the Crusader cattle is pretty amazing and now he's, you know, had limited preparation time with some quality cattle from overseas that have had to come out of MIQ and to put the performance they did together was pretty amazing. And that comes down to good systems, good coaching and good preparation mm. and good professional players. Mm. And, and mm. that's exactly, I agree with you, some of those special moves around the front um, are very, you know, out of that crusader mould, but also the mall utilising the defensive pressure to share around the back mm. is always a better option than, you know, sometimes you see teams try to share around the front and because you've got the sideline there, that's, it's almost fool's gold. Teams want you to think you're going to share around there and then you actually end up on top of yourself out. So using that around the, 
around the um, back towards the post uh, was smart. And then the timing of um, the Fijian um, player, I can't remember who scored the try, but uh, yeah, he popped off just at the right time to win that collision to score because it was just fading away the mall and he pops off and he scores at just the perfect time so um, it was a well orchestrated drive um, and and definitely an area I felt like you know both sides attacking malls were dominant um, but both both sides defensively will be looking at their their mall defence this week because they both both teams got dominated in that area what were they doing wrong Mm. oh look there's so many variables and, and it, a lot of it's timing but it's a lot of it's also what I was saying about the attacking team using the the um, weight of the defensive team to so if you put all this pressure here you almost use that to share you around and because you're all in that mold they can't get background quick enough to catch up and it was the same for the All Blacks they utilized that weight and 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 moved with it um, so it's it's almost making sure that you form all the bodies in the right angle and, and, and keep that pressure going forward, not in just one spot. Mm. Um, and they'll have a system and, and it just clearly didn't work and they'll adjust mm. because they've got that footage. Sometimes when you don't have footage on each other and, and things like that, they'll, it'll be um, interesting going into this week. I feel like it'll be a bit tighter and mm. almost I feel like maybe the All Blacks game plan might flip on its head a little bit and, and they'll start with quite a direct focus. Why wouldn't they have started mm. that way in the first place, Bryn? Why would you not start looking for forward dominance? Oh, it's not that they wouldn't have started looking for forward dominance, but um, it, it was more like there was a lot of kicking and, and it was more that counter. I don't know how you saw it, mm. Bryn, but it was that yeah. it was we were countering from the I think that. so. Yeah, because I think the fact that they struggled a little bit at line-out, um, Ben, ben Volleyball and their kicking plan was probably to kick long and in, just to take away, you know, even if they were inside their 22 um, or just outside, they didn't want to go to too many contestables. Probably early on, they actually got Benny, uh, Benny Volleyball in the back and wanting to kick long so they didn't go to set-piece because obviously the All Blacks are so dominant in it. And the stats showed that they were 19 out of 19. So they tried to do that, but then I think a, a couple of aerial kicks that were a little bit long in field and not, um, like you look at Severis's one, it was a long kick and then the ability to give the All Blacks an opportunity, even though most of the time they were actually well connected. But if you're going to give the, the All Blacks opportunities to play for counter off that kind of kick phase, you better make sure that your defence is set because, you know, they're going to light you up. But then um, I think probably early on, Benny Volavola's, you know, um, his decision-making around when to run um, put Fiji under a little bit of pressure. So... I think if they can just get that balance right um, of kicking long, getting the defensive line set up, very similar to what the Northern Hemisphere players do, they kick long and they back their defence. Um, and then if they have that dominance again at, at, the, at the breakdown without being able to have turnovers and release pressure through that way and make the adjustments of not giving them penalties inside their own half, because if they do, then there's probably going to be scenes on the weekend where they're going to have line-out drives and they're going to be getting you know, Dane Coles or whoever's at hooker will probably have a field day scoring try. So... Um, I'd probably say discipline's going to be a massive one with them around their kick chase if they do decide to go long like they did on the weekend. Uh, and then also the turnover uh, ability to be able to pick the ball up and show that they're going up and not giving penalties so the All Blacks can then go into their line-out drive, which was dominant on the weekend. You just mentioned their kick chase, and that's probably where they were really strong. And that's what I was mm. probably alluding to is we counted. But the reason why we counted is because we had our back three and our two middies worked really hard to get back mm. on, on, on their mm. kicks. 
And that gives you five players in the backfield, which is quite a lot of you know players in the backfield to manipulate and counterattack with. And mm. you know when you see that as an attacking team, you're like, oh, okay, we can have a crack here, um, rather than maybe going for a contestable or, or look for kick strategy. But the Fijian defence was up to it, and and on those occasions they they got the tackles right and got those turnovers around that defensive pressure. So sometimes you've actually just got to credit the D for for fronting up in the positive attacking situation. They didn't quite nail it against the you know a, a defensive team that were up to task. They've obviously got a lot of Northern Hemisphere experience, those Fijian players throughout France and other places. They've got a coach in Fern Cotter who knows Northern Hemisphere rugby really, really well. Did you see a large amount of influence to go along with the Fijian flair that you normally see? Yeah, I, I think massively, like, I think I wrote down at one stage, yeah, like, Fiji played discipline, risk-free physical rugby. Like it was, mm. it was so risk-free. Um, apart from those yeah. two two moments I spoke about on the counter-attack, it was, it was just so. I don't think they made an error, um, you know, defensively or an attack, um, except for those two counter-attack moments. And and then those two moments made them make two defensive errors, which led to led to tries as well. So uh, apart from that, they were they was and it was so. I would say that Northern Hemisphere-based kick strategy, set-piece and real physical breakdown presence. That yeah. sounds like a recipe for consistent success to me, Brent. Yeah, I think it is. And, um, you know, we talked about they've got a pretty high-quality coaching staff with, with Vern Cotter, Gibson and Jason Ryan. There. And so, you know, the best thing about that as well is that, you know, we know the amount of flair um, how much talent the, the Fijians have. And when they do have the ball in hand, you know, there's instances on the weekend, there are offloads and you're going to get that. Um, it's probably just been always around um, set piece and, and really dominating that, even though I thought their line operated really well. They only lost two lineouts, but, you know, especially against an all-black pack that's got um, a lot of experience around defensive pressure at lineouts, you know, they were pretty good around that. And their scrum as well, they only lost one. So I think... Getting that set piece is massive for them, and if they can keep having the improvements that they will, they've got great coaching staff that'll be able to do that. And I think it's just time in the saddle with that group and being able to play more test matches and being able to figure each other out. But um, you know, the quality of coaching that they do have, and the more time that they do stay together, you look at the physicality. Jip talked about it. I remember seeing those pictures around them standing next to Sam Whitelock, and and they're you know they're big men standing right next to them, but you know they looked physical. They looked big and physical, and so having that that marry up. Of having their flair, but then using their brute force and their physicality that they have just due to their genetics and have been able to how big they are. And if they can marry that up with their set piece and their discipline, um, it's going to be a hell of a test match, the second test match, if they can afford to make the um, adjustments that they did on the, the that they did on the weekend. I, I just think they've got to get the balance right. Like, don't lose their natural instinct to play. Um, and by that I mean, you know, if you look at statistically. Uh, All Blacks had 21 clean breaks to Fiji 6 and the stats were pretty much 50-50 position wise. So somehow in their attack strategy they've got to bring out their offload game, their, their Fijian, you know, I suppose style within that because there were a couple of times where they made line breaks, um, you know, inside ball, blindside winger comes through and then they pick, they went for a pick and go and I think they had Nemanin Ndolo was just screaming yeah. for it. And it's those sorts of things where you just got to think, ball up, let's play. Yep. So there, there's there's your conservative, disciplined, physical presence, take it to them. But then there's your natural instinct, 
you know, play with an expansive mindset as well because you have to be able to cre create opportunities in attack to score enough points because you know the All Blacks are going to score quite a few. That's, that's the, they will break you down and, and they'll find a way. So it wasn't quite working as fast as they want. So they went to their forwards. So they can do it in multiple ways and they have the ability, you know, they've got plan A, but then they've got plan B, C and D. Um, so yeah. I think that's probably yeah. what I think Fiji need to look at. Yeah. And just on that, Joe, I think don't underestimate them playing in, under with the dry ball as well. Yeah. It's a lot easier to be able to open up around their attack and be able to play a lot more. I think they're playing at Hamilton the next test match, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's actually forecasted rain for that for that day. So, I think even more so around their set piece and getting that right is going to be well, pretty that important. Might suit, I think if it's suit, <laughs> suit yeah. the Northern Hemisphere yeah. style, to be fair. You know, so, so well, and, and even in yeah, Fiji, sometimes it helps down. down with rain. Yeah. yeah, and look, I'm not worried about that. Like, I'm just saying that don't lose their natural instinct to. Mm. To have a crack. So, so let's say that... Even though I'm contradicting myself with my Benny Volavola comments. <laughs> but you've just got to have a crack when it's on and you've got support around you. So how hard is it to have plan A plus B work together when you only play together every now and then, Brent? Well, I think it depends how they have their preppers around it. And I think um, it's having an understanding throughout the week, you know, possibly, you know, what, what that weather's going to be like. So no doubt especially with Jason Ryan and Cam, um, they'll be doing the what-if kind of moments around um, their game plan. So you know, they were fortunate enough on the weekend that it was dry and weather wasn't wasn't an option, so they could afford to play a little bit more and implement their game plan that they had, knowing that the conditions were going to be exactly how they were going to be. But I think it's just having an ability to prepare for what that looks like. So it could be sunny on the weekend, it could be raining on the weekend. So I think having the conversations, whether you're a, a, a line-out leader forward, um, inside back, um, your drivers, and connecting because I think if you do have an understanding around what conditions are going to be like, um, what that plan will be like, whether that's running, you might go into a little bit of a northern hemisphere style where it's a lot more kicking based and set piece orientated. So I think first and foremost, it's having a plan in place at the start of the week, and then um, your drivers and people that need to know and have a good understanding around game plan and game management, um, those people will need to have the conversations throughout the week, talk about it, and then once you are in game, you're prepared, and then you've at least got the ability to say, okay. This isn't working. It's a little bit too wet. We thought we could play a little bit, but it's, it's obviously a lot of rain, so probably playing expensive style might not suit us. Let's go to a contestable game. Let's kick long. Let's go back to being able to get our defence right and be able to put pressure on in other ways like that. I just want to give a compliment to the Fijian team. Uh, during the anthems, we saw tears rolling down their cheeks. We saw passion for their country with so much going on with COVID there. There obviously was a high set of emotion. And to do that and then play in such a composed way immediately after in the first half is it's quite an incredible thing to do. I think it empowers them. Yeah. I, I, th I mm. think I think um, there's a, a lot of emotions. You know, you could use Carl Tuinukaafi the same. You know, when he debuted, he 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 shed some tears. There's been a number of players that shed tears, and and sometimes there's players that don't shed tears that feel the exact same emotion, and it it almost gives you the extra oomph to be honest yeah. if you can control it if you yeah. can control it and you can still keep on task yeah. and they certainly did that so uh, I don't think those sorts of emotions are ever a, de a detractor if you have the ability to control it yeah but, and, and so I think we've seen quite a lot of it we've seen in interviews of Sky and build up to games we've seen quite a lot of it players now are so in touch with their emotions. They're so willing to be open and engaging about who they are and what they are. It's been an incredible maturation of rugby, Brent. 
yeah, I think it just grows and um, it's, it's great for viewers, I think. Um, you know, I guess rugby players sometimes are just seen as this kind of stereotypical way and perceived in a, in a, in a light. Whereas I think, you know, the all access, you know, you look at the uh, ones with Sky did with Richie, um, Tom Robinson and showing the, uh, the other side. Um, it's really great for us as players and, and I guess for people as well to have a better connection and understanding for what um, rugby players feel like. And so um, it's a great forum for, for us as players and it's great to see that that's been more accepting now. And, um, and I think for players that aren't in the environment or people that aren't have a good understanding of like what it is to be a rugby player, I think getting the um, education of us, what it feels like and being able to express those feelings openly um, it's been great, and I, you know, long may it continue. I think I think players are realizing um, and understanding that vulnerability is is a really strong form of leadership for for not only you know in, in teams but also for society. And and I think that's why there's a more openness mm. to to be real and and show their true selves. And and I think it's it's a good progression for players as individuals um, and the sport. But also for for I suppose you know young players looking up uh, to them as well. As a movement, how did this begin? Like, how has this evolved to be? I like don't this? know, mate. I, I think it, I think it's society as a whole. I don't think it's yeah. just the sport. Yeah. I think society as a whole is is being more open to being vulnerable and expressing ourselves. And and um, you know, rugby is just a sport that's moving with it. That's cool. It's yeah. very, very cool to see. Yeah, um, let's get on to the All Blacks. Uh, obviously, we've seen two very different teams the first two weeks of tests. What do we see this week? Do we have a big change up again? Oh, look, I'm really excited for potentially knuckling down on a 23. And, and I, yeah. I think that, I think that, that you know, the, tri- the rugby championship is is quite crucial and I and I always find that when you have a 23 and guys are only coming in if there's niggles or injuries you can really get a good rhythm and I suppose it goes back to that word cohesion that we've we've sort of spoken about a lot this year but I think if they can knuckle down on that 23 and you know you have, then you have your clear role in your team and you have a clear understanding you almost leave this series and know where your place is and what you've got to work on to one, get back in, but also um, it means you can build those combinations. And, and I think that this mm. test match for me is, is probably about that for, for this coaching group and, and, and leaders to, to really knuckle down and, and start zoning in on finishing off this July series, Steinlager series really well, but also you know, making sure that they're, they're ready to go in with a, with a clear plan as as a 23 or you know a 36 man squad, but um, of who they're going to go in with first off um, in that rugby championship because that's I'm excited for that championship. So it's, this is a form team this week, a best team. What do we call this thing this week? Oh, I reckon we talked about people getting opportunities and probably the. First couple of test matches, and um, you know, against Tonga and, and Fiji. But I think you know, for the fact how well Fiji played, um, yeah, I think it's going to be coming back to your point, Jeff. Around rugby championship isn't too far away, and so I think they're actually going to go back to a, to a pretty settled lineup around a clear plan around that 23 moving into the rugby championship. And I think starting well in that competition will be really, really important. And so, um, the amount of probably less have I, that's only been the third test of the year, I think we're probably going to see a, a pretty experienced side in the 23 that. Um, we'll probably play that first test match, and so um, 
yeah, that's probably how I'm, I'm seeing it. It's going to be a pretty um, familiar names that will probably be in that, in that 23. Best fit and available team, because I know that you know, if, if they're watching this, they're, they're going to be saying, no, we just focus on this week, and I, I believe that will be the case. But I, I think the coaching group will be you know, front-loading their prep for the rugby championship and, and getting a clear understanding of where they want to go. But as players, they'll, mm. be, they'll be focused on, on this week and this week only. But uh, I feel it will be a selection of the best fit and available because there are some players injured that, that will come back into contention. So let's talk about some of those positions then. What positions do you think are going to be the ones which are most contestable for this weekend and who do you think they'll go with? Seven. Yep. You know, is, is Dalton mm. back in the mix? Because Ethan you know, has gone pretty well. Dalton's been outstanding when he played. Is he fit and available? Artie hasn't had a run. Um, by all accounts, mm. he's, he's ready to go um, and, and he's got runs on the board. So his current form doesn't really matter because we know that when he puts on a black jersey, he's ready to go. So yep. that's a that's a that's a mm. position that's up for up for discussion. Um, where else? Lock, you know, Brody gets to eighty. Paddy's there. I don't think he he did any harm for himself. You know, the skips there. So there's one position for Scott Barrett, Paddy, and 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 Brody. Uh, then there's obviously the bench mm. position. So. That's a difficult one. We still haven't probably, you know, have we seen enough of Tupo Vai, you know, as well? So he's he's around. Does he get an opportunity potentially off the bench or he might even start? I, I don't know. So, I mean, that, they're, they're, there's a lot to discuss there. Um, where they go at six and eight, you know, I think both Luke Jacobson and Hoskins did well. Um, same mm. Shannon Frizzell and Akira. I mean, you could go through the whole, you know, tens obviously yeah. another discussion, well. fullbacks yeah. another discussion. You know, yeah. uh, Sever Reese was yeah. outstanding on the weekend. You know, wingers, uh, honestly, it's a, it is so hard yeah. to pick a 23. Mm-hmm. It genuinely yeah, is. My, yeah. yeah, I definitely reckon you touched on the forwards. I think probably that those winger spot, the, the winger spots, you look at probably Will Jordan who played really, really well at 14 um, and then Sever as well. Um, play well, and then you've obviously got Seven George Bridge who's played two. Yeah, he's had two test matches at eleven. Do we do they change and possibly put Seven at eleven and, and Will um, at fourteen um, just through with their performance and George having two test matches um, as well. So and then you've got Geordie and Damo at the back as well, and then you have talked about Richie and uh, Bowden who's going to be um, ten for that test match. But um, I think the wingers will probably be an interesting selection, seeing how they're going to go, whether they put someone out of position who aren't traditionally left wingers. You look at there's only one really in the squad with George being the only left left winger um, who plays that um, traditionally. So do they want to change it up and put Sevu or Will um, in those positions? So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they if they keep George there or they change it up a little bit in those winger positions. That seems like an opportunity. You know, if you only have one guy there who's a specialist, now is the time to give someone else some time there. Surely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, if... It's hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, I, I think maybe, like maybe last week was. I, I don't know. Um, as I say, I think they'll go for the best fit and available of their opinion for this week. It's, uh, what that is is that's the thing about this at the moment. It gets, gets anything. It could be anything at all. I mean, they could put out multiple 23s, and I think we'd all be happy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Is that... Look, U7, for example. Yeah. If, if Ethan's there, Dalton's there, Artie's there, I'm not unhappy. Yeah. Like, you, you're not going to be... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's the same at six. It's the same at eight for me. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's lock. I mean, yeah. I think there's probably test teams all around the world that could take a couple of them. Yeah, but we continue to come back to the Darwinism, the cohesion. Cohesion! The cohesion. Like, that's... Options is one thing. Mm. Making them work together is quite another. Yeah. And it's, at this point in time, Mm. almost a little worrying for me that we, you know, we don't really know. Oh, I'm sure they know. Yeah. We don't. (laughs) Yeah. We're just sitting here to debate it, but I'm (laughs) sure the coaches... I, I believe the coaches will have a clear plan of where they're going with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, experienced blokes required now or not? Oh, I, 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 well, experience I, always experience. Yeah. yeah, experience always matters. But I think the fact that um, there is a form of um, these all they're all great players. You know, it's like we just talked about, there's so much hotly contested for 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 any position in the squad. So, with whatever team they really do go, whether it be experience or not. Our opinion is probably that they might go for the tried and true in certain positions and available and fit. But I think um, experience aside, yep, it's great to have it. But I think if you're in an All Black team and you're selected, it doesn't really matter if you have the experience or not. You just it's oh. just such a hotly contested team, and it doesn't matter who you are in that team. If when when like you said, Joe, whoever's selected, you're going to be like, oh, that's a good selection. You're not going to have any worries about it just with the class and how much talent and um, and kind of yeah, just great players that they are in general. Experience is going to matter at some point where, when there's a tight test. It might not be this week, but it's going to matter at some mm. point. So it's when you need to figure out what your top 23 is and how they go about that and start building that cohesion. Yeah, that's, where, that's the decision here. Because if you use the Aussie-French game, and I know we're about to start mm. talking on that, but that's a lack of experience that the French didn't win that game. Yeah. So that's what inexperience looks like, is that they just didn't kick that ball out. So that's, and I'm not saying that that's... It's kind of astounding, because you've played a lot of footy before you played test footy. Well, like, there's been many games, like, we've played a lot of, lot of games, and, and pressure does funny things. Like, you, you think you're doing the right thing, and you, you just, you're just like, oh, I don't want it to get charged down. Mm. You know, that's what they would have been thinking, the mm. French. So, oh, I don't want this charged down. Feel the pressure. Here, bang, bang. And, and, but then someone's thinking, oh, well, they're definitely going to kick it. So not expecting a pass. 
Do you know what I mean? And it just happens like that. Yeah. And boom. And then McDermott's got it. Struth, we're on D now. Yeah. And the rest is history. Do you know what I mean? Like it just happens. Just like that. Because I'm yeah. thinking one thing, you're thinking the other. Yeah. And it's the, the pressure just, it does funny things. Yeah. To the, the, not the inexperience, it can happen to anyone with experience or not, but people with more experience do seem to have a, a more calming nature when the pressure is on because you know mentally their brain's been there and done it so many times they, they can almost it's not autopilot but process they're just in yep. the zone more comfortably yeah actually I, I wanted to talk to you about this did you see it in the nrl on the weekend the player who ran the wrong way down the field yeah sam walker. Time, sam, sam walker, walker yeah. classic way of finishing a game yeah yeah i like what <laughs> billy slater said when he came out he goes do it your way you know because a lot of people came out quite hard on sam walker around that yeah and he goes oh god forbid we play this game differently and find a better way to to you know seal a game yeah and he goes sam walker keep doing it your way and because a lot of people were into him, a lot of greats of, of NRL, and then a lot of people have come out and support, and I, and I thought it was, you know, it was good. Yeah. You know, like because there is not one way to win a game or close out a game. Because what if he'd gone up and you know got stripped and they'd gone the distance? Who knows? Well, the, the risk is in the contact, right? Yeah. So avoid it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it seems simple. Or the risk is in simple taking a field was. goal. As simple as that. And missing that. <laughs> Missing the field goal, and then they then they get another set of six to go, yeah, you know, draw it or. So technically, it was a smart, yeah, so good to watch decision, <laughs> even though poor kid got ridiculed yeah. at 18 years of age. Yeah, and then there was a there was a piece of vision that came out of Tony Ero doing it for the Adelaide Rams back in like 1998 in Super League. And I was like, oh, you know, you can say the good old days, but yeah. that's the good old days. <laughs> and that's smart. a great player. That's smart. Like, <laughs> well, Sam Walker is going to be great. He's, yeah. he's great already, but he will be Just one of the greats. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. I don't know how you introduce that into rugby. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> but no. I want to see more weird stuff. <laughs> Just weird stuff like that. It's bloody cool. Um, okay, so the Aussie-France game. Getting back to that from, from yeah, the, uh, sorry. the NRL chat. That's not your fault. I brought it up. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the way that that French outfit went outside of the fact that they blew it at the end, Brad? Oh, I thought they started off really, really well. Um, you know, like for guy, uh, Villiers, Villiers, the winger. Is it Villiers? That's how you say it, Villiers. Well, look, I'm I think not a French uh, <laughs> specialist, I'm but run with that. We can run Villiers. with that. No, um, you know, I thought that they started re they started really, really well. I think um, they brought that Northern Hemisphere kind of exit zone, been really great around decision-making around the exits early on and um, therefore put um, Australia under pressure. They were and probably in that first 30, 35 minutes before the um, Amosa try. Um, they had a lot of a lot of mistakes. Um, and so the French kind of in that first passage of play, uh, first 30, 35 minutes, were actually pretty good um, around taking the opportunities when they had them. And, um, you know, I thought their, um, their second five, um, Jonathan Dante, was was massive. And the second five centre pairing for that with Vince, Vincent as well were, um, were outstanding around putting a lot of defensive pressure on uh, the Australians through with them coming up collectively, especially off kicks as well. A lot of times they actually ended up shutting off um, the counter-attack from Australia due to their, their pressure and bringing up the line speed and connecting with, with their forwards. Um, 
but then I actually thought probably the winning of the game was actually probably two players um, for Australia. Um, Tate McDermott, you talked about before, Drip, his, um, his spark and his enthusiasm, especially probably that last try. Um, whose try was it? Um, Hooper's try, when he actually ended up taxing a little bit through some good go forward ball that they finally did get through in the later stages of the game. Um, gave it to Harry Wilson, popped up, but then um, from that phase of play there, um, Hooper ends up scoring a, a try through going, um, putting it off a pick and go. But um, and I thought Taniella's two pose injection as well at, at scrum time. Um, he bought he had three three penalties in scrums and really just kind of got that dominance back in um, for Australia. So I actually thought winning of the game really for Australia was their impacts of their bench coming on and really making a massive influence in that game because I thought France. I'm pretty gutted for them actually watching that test match when they I think it was actually Dancy they got they got the turnover um, to then um, to I thought to ice the game and win the game. Um, and then to see that happen, those stages where you talked around jump down experience and that kind of happening, uh, I felt gutted for them because I actually thought they were better than the better team. But, you know, full credit to Australia. Um, Dane Rennie, Dave Rennie actually talked about a bit of resilience and they didn't play at their best, but got the job done through um, added pressure and the back end of the game, um, not getting, not kicking it out. And they ended up winning the game through um, a lawless year goal in the end. But, yeah, a great test match considering how many players were out for, for France and, um, it brings on a hell of a spectacle for Test 2 coming up shortly. What do you make of them? Oh, look, it was a great Test match to watch. Really enjoyed it, um, just because of the close nature of it. And I suppose the French getting out to a lead and you knew it was actually going to be quite hard for them to claw it back at one stage. And uh, what did I make of it? I suppose the Aussies gave the French all their opportunities. You know, Tom Banks misses a penalty touch. Um, uh, Gordon rolling the ball forward when he's when he's trying to buy his time at the back of a ruck and that yeah. goes for a knock-on. Forward pass to Paisami when he cuts that line for the try that was disallowed. Um, Lolo Sio drops um, the high ball in the backfield. From that scrum, they score their second try. So everything, every opportunity that the French got to attack and score from was on the back of an Aussie error. And then, you know, it was, I think it was a turned over scrum that led them to that first try. And, and the biggest thing I think would have annoyed them about the first try is the French offload game. So, you know, we know Dave Rennie's big about wanting to win collisions defensively, win those collisions. You, you know, you're not winning collisions if you're allowing offloads. And, and I suppose that was the biggest thing is they allowed offloads. And, and the Aussies tackled at 77%. So I think those will be the big areas Dave Rennie focuses on is, is that accuracy and the, the, that turnover rate and, and the defensive presence and making sure that you're winning those collisions that, um, you know, that you're dominant because 91% um, the French tackled it and they only had 34% possession. So they're on D a lot and they were accurate. you know. Mm. And so for me, it means... The Aussies just didn't take the opportunities because they had their opportunities. They broke them a lot. Yeah. I think there was a yep. crossfield kick that didn't just go to hand. Yep. Um, there was a grubber in behind that you know just didn't bounce up. It was almost it just wasn't their night on attack. So I'd, I'd, I'm not too concerned about their attack. I think that'll come with a few games and, and a, a few strings you know to their bow. Um, but defensively, that presence I th and the turnover rate. Um, Letting teams in that that sort of stuff, I feel Rennie. Um, those are the sort of you know sort of effort areas that he won't like. Um, so, mm. is it is it doom and gloom because they won? No, but I think it will be a hard week for them at training.
Yeah, and you kind of want that at this point in time. I think you do, but you do want to. You you want to see a big shift, like. Um, Man, with, probably without Hooper there, I don't know if they win that game. Like he—he he was massive. Mm. Like his turnover straight after half time. Like his work rate to make the tackles. He's a menace at the breakdown. He's great on attack. He scores that try through a nifty like I don't know reverse pick pick and go. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely the right man to be leading the ship. Um, but there was a lot of guys. Still, you know, we spoke about an experience from the French side, still new in their, you know, test career. Um, that'll, that'll learn a lot from that. Yeah, we got test footy on a Tuesday night. Oh, how good. What is this? Yeah, what is it was this? great on a Wednesday. <laughs> it's even better on a Tuesday. Earlier. Yeah. The week's barely started and you already got oh. test footy. And then we got Origin on Wednesday, so they're smart, just giving it a day before. Yeah, you don't want to compete with that. But, <laughs> no, you know, you just uh, if you're watching on Sky, stay tuned because you've got some test footy coming up real soon. <laughs> Tuesday night. And it just makes the week worthwhile. Oh, it does. And, and then you look at the weekend. I looked at my MySky record, and the international rugby is just oh. stacking up. And I could see my percentage go from like 60% hard drive down to like 20% hard drive by the end of the weekend. Yeah, I've actually got to watch them and get rid of them to to keep up with it. <laughs> it's just you don't sleep if you watch all of that. No, you don't. You don't. It's an incredible amount of footy. And there's oh, also games not going on. You know, over in South Africa, you know, what is going on with this series? We've got Sia Khaleesi, Mapimpi, a whole bunch of the Springboks players now with COVID. The coach, um, Ninaba, is in isolation and you've got Rassi stepping in. I, I don't know how that works with Rassi. Is, is he still part of the coaching team I'm not 100% sure, I'm sure he is what, what that is exactly um, Gregor Townsend is isolating and coaching the Lions via Zoom this is a weird series yeah frustrating because man both sides look really good and I, like, I'm not saying it's not going to go ahead I hope it does um, mm. but disappointing that potentially maybe they didn't foresee this and just have it in the UK. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, they did foresee it, and then they, they yeah. chose not to, and then they actually, no, we need it's, the money, or whatever they uh, say. Yeah, it's just, oh, because, I mean, the, the Lions have still got a clear game plan, like watching the second game against the Sharks, although I think they were actually under the pump until the red card. Um, but, I mean, they still look a sharp outfit, and they've, they've got a real yeah. good squad depth and, and a clear plan of the way they want to play um, and, and the Springboks from the one outing we saw there's definitely enough there to be excited for this three match test series it's, it's just can they can they get a team on the field and when do you make yeah. a call on it when do you just when do you call on whether a test go ahead goes ahead or not you can't do it the week well, how, long, test, how long well if there's how long 26 to, the players with well, COVID, the I think it's the 27th the first test yeah I think they've got one more against the Stormers South Africa A and then it's the first test. Yeah. It's not far away. And, and those, the Stormers in South Africa A tests are pretty much within a week, like in the same week. So it's, there's a lot going I think, on. Um, well, I think fortunately enough, probably for the Lions, is that they've actually been able to play test matches. They've played test matches, even though, even though they're playing against um, Super Rugby franchises now, they're actually, playing, they're actually playing games and being able to iron out a few things that they want to bring into that, that series. And you look at probably, I feel, for South, South Africa, you know, they've had that one game against Georgia that they probably weren't um, very impressive and 
due to obviously not playing for a couple of years and playing test match footy. And so if anything, you know, they need those warm-up games as well to to be able to try to rectify a few things going to that test match. So, you know, if, the, if it does end up going going um, and happening, I think that first test match, I'd probably say the Lions would have to be favourites going to that test match, I reckon, even though they're in um, South Africa. But it's just preparation-wise, it's... It's pretty terrible for the for the box, but no doubt they'll have, have a plan in place and um, they'll be touring as doing the best that they can. But I think just the fact that the Lions have had it, actually been able to play a bit of footy together and been able to have guys playing consistently, it probably just puts them in the um, driver's seat it's a cup, um, for the moment. There's a couple of areas though that they want to sort out. And, and I say it again for the third game in a row, they've got to get their box kicking accuracy right. Like a couple mm, of times their yeah. box kicking went into the midfield and caught with no pressure, not contestable, around the yeah. attacking 40 metre. Like, if Cheslin Colby's catching that, you, you're under serious mm. heat, you know, and you just yeah. can't put yourself under that sort of heat. So I, I still think that's a concern. Like, it's a clear tactic, but if you're not accurate and you're not landing that box kick in the 5 metre channel, at worst in that 15 metre channel... Mm. You, and you can't get that defence up like you talk, you spoke about um, the French midfielders shutting it off so you can't get that attack. Um, you know, you're putting yourself under the pump. The other area is they're clearly wanting to play with the ball, the forwards, they're wanting to tip, they're wanting to give that release out the back. But it's about reading the defence and a lot of the time the Sharks, and the second time they played the Sharks, it was a rush D. And around the 18th minute, I think it was Laws just gave a tip, but it was like a, a rush D, and he just he shovels a tip to his mate. He can't catch it. He gets hit, and it's a knock on. And it's like, don't go away from what you're also good at as, as in, in terms of the Lions rugby of that latch four legs versus two. Get outside Laws gets with the guy that's tipping, and those four legs go into that two defender, and they still win collisions and earn the right to play the tip mm -hmm. game and the release game, and. What I'm saying is, is find that balance of that attacking mindset. Don't just, don't just do it for the sake of read what is in front of you defensively. Because also, same thing is on that rush D. There are a couple, you know, a couple of times one intercept try, but also they got a couple of other intercepts that didn't lead to tries. But the Sharks got those intercepts, and the, and the Springboks will be watching that, and they'll know that defensive yeah. line speed pressure like that rush D will put the Lions' skill set under pressure when they're just trying to go through moves or they're trying mm. to you know, utilise this attacking mindset, which I love. But it's, it's going to yeah. be needing to find that fine balance at test match level to have that brute, let's earn the right, let's tire them, tire the defence mm. down to then wait till the hole's open to use the tips or use the release. And I think I those think, are yeah. the sort of areas they want to, they want to just rectify. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, that Japan game, the first Japan game when they played um, when Conor Murray was at nine, and yeah. the ability that they played on top of teams, you know, the, the, the you know, you look at the um, traditionally with uh, Northern Hemisphere style of rugby, they're, they're really good around the breakdown, being really vicious and brutal and being able to clean men out and doing really, really well in that, in that department. And I don't know they played Japan, who are a little bit different, um, probably physicality wise, um, for the South Africans, but. I think that's probably the, if they do want to play, that's the kind of marry up of the decision making around the tips, the out the back and actually going forward and seeing what's in front of you with what you just said, Jip. Because I think that 20, 30 minute span when they played Japan in that first, that first test match, um, it's probably the recipe around um, do want to play when they do play against the Springboks. That's the kind of um, how you want to see it on TV. That's how you want to look at 
um, with what that looks like and being able to score points that yeah, way. Yeah, because if the defence isn't tired and you're giving a tip and he's on his own, you are just going to get smoked behind the game line yeah. Especially with big men, they're big men in South Africa as well. Like, it, it's, it's pointless. And then also their, their backfield coverage on the weekend, I know I'm being a bit hard, but I'm just, I'm just pointing out areas that they'll want, like the Springboks, yes, they're not playing, like Bryn said, but they'll, they'll be watching these games and going, OK, these are some areas we can exploit. But the backfield cover, before the Sharks' second try, there was a long field kick, great chase from the Sharks' winger, tackles them out, and then the Sharks are in attack, and then they put a grubber in behind and they score. So just their pendulum work, like, you know, I know they're trying to rush D, but because their wingers are up all the time, it does leave quite a lot of grass in the backfield to manipulate um, with attacking kicks or long kicks if you get a good kick chase. So they are looking great, and, and, and I'm, I'm really enjoying the way they're playing. But I know Warren Gatlin will be watching going, I don't think he would have been that happy with that. I know it was 71-26, but it was 26 all when that red card happened, which was so just unnecessary by the Sharks' half <laughs> and, and And it just flipped the game on its head, really. So what do we do now? Just to go back to this COVID thing, yes. what is the decision that you make and when do you make it about... And what would the teams want? about when a decision gets made about when you play a test match like this? Because it's obvious that the South African bubble is not working. So do you trust the South African bubble and do you trust putting yourself out on the field against that bubble? I don't know what the options are. Can they, can they defer it and, and try and get it back to the UK? Yeah, it's a short plane ride. I, I don't know. But does that change the South African bubble still being kind of infected and them having to bring more That's what I'm saying. Can yeah. they get healthy? Can they get yeah. everyone... COVID free, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, scrap, they've had enough tour matches now, I suppose. Stormers will be a bit disappointed, but um, can there, is there a way of potentially get, I don't, I don't know. Do you have to get all the clubs involved? It would be a big beast, wouldn't it, be to try to get that done logistically? I'm sure it would be, yeah. but if it'd be better than cancelling it, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I hope yeah. I really hope it doesn't get to that because I think yeah. It's well, I just can't imagine they can play on. at the moment, can they? No, there's With no twenty six cases. They can't. No, no. I, 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 yeah. I don't know what the rules are. Yeah. Can they? Can they? Can they? Um. Can they make it a bit longer? Can they? But well, that's what I'm saying. Can out? they defer it and maybe take it out of South Africa? Or... Yeah, or, or cancel maybe a couple of the midweek games later on and just play some back-to-back test matches in a week. Can you do that? Like I, I don't know. Yeah, but isn't there problems with the test squad? Don't they have COVID? Yeah, yeah. But I'm just thinking how long does it take to get over COVID? And if you can push it out a couple of weeks, maybe there's a chance that you'd have them COVID-free by that point and then you just play three test matches in two and a half weeks or something and and go that way, you know? Yeah, it'd be a big ass. Well, they took a big squad over, so (laughs) that's the case. They took a big squad. I mean, they do it in World Cups. You you play back-to-back test matches over a short period of time. Oh, yeah. Well, I think with how like COVID is, with, with how COVID is, I think it's just, it's, it's not the norm. And I think you look back probably the last, you know, 12 to 18 months in New Zealand, you know, we've had to, uh, players that have had, have had to adapt and certain things that aren't normal. So I just think in this scenario, it's going to be something that's foreign and um, almost, because I, I feel both, both teams, both first, South Africa, if they get yeah, and the Lions, they, 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 they want to play, you know, they want to play, but I can imagine both teams want to play. So. Um, you know, if it comes back to your point, Ross, around um, it's just less preparation time and they have to condense it a little. I think both teams would be a part of that. But I think 
yeah whether you, man it's it's, it's tough because you it's, it's in camp like you said Jip. the COVID's yeah. in camp so it's going to take them yeah i think whether that's just like i think players are pretty flexible now and and pretty yeah. open to just doing what's necessary to play there's another piece of information that's come out in the last week or so which has been really intriguing scott robertson re-signing through till 2024, but with an out clause at 2023, which makes you obviously think about backup plans for after the next World Cup. We've obviously got Warren Gatland, who could be available after 2023 as well for the All Blacks job. It seems like New Zealand rugby is doing a pretty good job of having some serious talent in the country come the next World Cup. I'll let Bryn talk about his dad <laughs> first. <laughs> oh, oh, I think it's... Um... I think Razor's made it pretty clear around um, his ambitions and his goals around. I was sitting in his, in his press conference around he's got ambitions to have the All Black job. And so the flexibility around, um, depending obviously with how Fozzy and that, and that coaching group go. But um, yeah, I think it's great for New Zealand rugby to have, you know, not just not just Razor, but you talk about Gats, who has the opportunity post the World Cup to be able to be available for the All Blacks. So um, and I think, you know, Razor's got to talk about the success that he's had, not only at the Crusaders, but with whatever team he's he's been a part of. He's um, he's won championship, multiple championships with with him. So, um, so I think he's got a couple more years to be able to keep involving and keep growing. And uh, but I think for us personally as, as a Crusader, it's great to have him in the environment for a couple more years and been able to um, and have new goals and been able to keep it nice and fresh because he does a great job at that as well. So. Um, for Christopher the Crusaders, we're stoked for him. And then I think for New Zealand rugby as well, um, being able to have that flexibility with him in the country for a couple more years. But I think for him personally as well, to be able to um, to not keep himself, um, you know, staying here. Um, he's got an out clause in his contract, so no different to a player. Um, it's smart and being able to keep his options open as well, post the World Cup as well. It is an interesting conversation because he's been there, done that, and people like to evolve in their career and so forth. He's, he's got all the championships under his belt. Um, and he's, he's waiting. He's waiting for that chance. And we've got an all-black coach who doesn't have a contract after this season. So uh, that had to be part of the conversation. Oh, I'm sure it, it was. I, I think he's made no bones about it. I, I just think we're very fortunate that he, that he was staying because um, there would have been high demand overseas. And I, I think one thing I, I love about it that he is staying um, and it, and it says, you know, he's going to leave no stone unturned to have a crack at that All Blacks role. Um, and and, and the, the thing I like about um, Scott Robinson is he does seem to keep things fresh and he's always the innovator or doing something different or thinking outside of the box. You know, if it wasn't a COVID world, he's, pro he's probably coaching the British and Irish Lions now. He's probably in that coaching team. Do you know what I mean? Like he's... He's not going to just sit in a square. He's, he's going to be always outside of that square thinking differently, and I think that's what makes him so successful. And I think that can only be a good thing for our game here in New Zealand and where he can potentially take it. Brent, can you give some insight into him? I suppose the thing about Scott Robertson that strikes me is he seems as much of a storyteller as he is a coach. He seems to be able to create a narrative around seasons, around games that make things easy to understand. Could you paint a picture of how he does that and maybe some examples from the past where he's done things like that? Yeah, I think a theming is a big part for Ray. Um, and probably a lot of coaches now are using themes around uh, being able to bring groups together. And Ray has a massive part around that to be able to bring um, a group together for a, for a goal. And um, it makes it a little bit more meaningful so that you can connect with that theme throughout the year. Like, won't go into details of what that looks like, but that's um, a really good 
Um, it's a really good thing that he does to be able to bring a group together, especially if you think about, you know, this is our well fifth year together, and we've you know been fortunate enough to to win a, to win a lot of games through him. But you know, I think the more success you do have, it's sometimes hard to be able to reinnovate and keep the keep the group fresh. But his ability to be able to connect back to that is a big part of why we all connect and been able to go forward and been able to play play really well and um and winning games. And then I think he's got a really good ability as well to be able to have um, for the strengths that he doesn't have. Um, he has be has people to be able to do that for him. You know, I look at the likes of um, you know Scott Hansen, Brad Moore was there. You had Leon McDonald before that. You've got Andrew Goodman who's who's great around detail, and then obviously, you know, he thinks outside the box as well with the likes of Ronan O'Gara, who brought, who brought across here, um, Jonesy as well, and then, you know, Tamadi Allison, who's, you know, he's a little bit different and not not originally from Canterbury. So I think he does that really, really well. So his strengths that he does have, it's been able to have the ideal picture, overall picture of what it is for us as a group. But then uh, even for his weaknesses that he does have, he's got a really good ability of having the coaches around him that are able to um, help with that and then being able to connect those coaches to his idea collectively and then it just kind of flows on for us as players where we all collectively together through Ray's vision and vision and his ability to be able to have coaches to be able to um, complement him really really well. Just before we wrap up I, yeah. I'm quite excited because the Samoa Tonga game on the weekend yes. like it was really tight mm. um, for, for the most part and, and, and Samoa ran away with it um, towards the end and, and obviously looking forward to the second round of that and, and where it heads. But I think it's also exciting for Moana Pacifica because there's a lot of players in both sides that don't have contracts overseas and don't have super contracts that are just standing out, man. Like like Fumai, mm. Slade, Matunga, um, you know, guys that are play really well at Moana 10 Cup level have stood up against the Maldives, as I mentioned last week, and now standing up again. Like they're doing back-to-back -back performances at a high level. Um, I don't know, from my point of view watching that, I just think it's exciting for, you know, there's been a few question marks around that team coming into Super Rugby, but I, I, I you know, tell people to, to watch um, that game and, and have a look at those guys because there's, there's some guys performing seriously well. I follow that. Watch that game. There are going to be some guys performing really, really well, plus Ken Laban, Willie Lorse and Taylor Johnson did an amazing job of the commentary on the weekend as well. It's yeah. well worth a watch. It's going to be a really cracking game. So. You've been told. Yeah. <laughs> You've been told. Watch that game. Um, Bryn Hall down in Queenstown. Go eat some red meat and uh, enjoy yourself at Botswana Butchery while uh, swanning yourself at Millbrook Resort. Um, James, we'll just keep on the grind up here, mate. That's right. On the grind. Yeah. On the grind up here. Going to work. Battling the traffic. Uh, loving it, mate. Loving, and it. loving it. Loving it. Good grind. Yeah. The good grind. Living the dream. Yeah, 100%. Talking some footy oh. and, and getting into life itself. So James Parsons, loving the grind, loving the footy. And we'll catch you next week on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Make sure that you catch the international footy this weekend on Sky and Rugby Pass. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm.